Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. Does anybody know the most loyal brand, the the most loyal brand of customers for for drinks, for beverages. Diet, who said it? Diet Coke. Spot on. It is Diet Coke. Diet Coke drinkers, through studies, have been the most loyal to the brand. Are there, I mean, no shame in this game, are there any Diet Coke drinkers in here today? Yes. Diet Coke drinkers have a loyalty to the brand that is unbelievable. So much so that Coke studies this and knows it and tracks y'all pretty carefully. Isn't that crazy? Coca-Cola knows that their most loyal brand is Diet Coke. And so they do all sorts of of stuff uh, around that, including... Coke Zero. They think to themselves, hmm, well, we know that if we can get people to drink Diet Coke and get used to that horrible taste, sorry, <laughs> uh, that, that once they get hooked to it, they're hooked. Kind of like I am to coffee. I'm, not, I'm telling you, I'm not judging. I'm just saying I'm there with coffee. So they, they create all sorts of new streams into Diet Coke. So they try to create loyalty by getting people to try zero, and then maybe they'll try Diet Coke. Or let's see if we can get a just as loyal uh, following with zero, Coca-Cola zero, as we do with Diet Coke. Because they know once they have you hooked, they've got you. Now what's crazy about it is this has zero sugar in it. It also has zero calories. Zero protein, zero carbs, zero fat. Hence the name, zero. This is in no way an advertisement for Coca-Cola. I promise I'm not getting paid for this. Sodium. It does have sodium. 25 milligrams, which is only 1% of your daily recommended value. But here's the thing, it's all marketing. Diet Coke, zero. I mean, it sounds good, right? Suzanne, what would happen if this is all you drank on a 13-mile run? You would probably pass out or throw up or throw up and pass out. If all you drank was Coca-Cola Zero, if all you drank was Diet Coke, It's really not good for you. Even though it says diet, even though it says zero, even though it's marketed this way, it is not good for you. But Coke knows something about humans. Coke knows that we have this thing called cognitive dissonance, that we tell ourselves, oh, it's okay because, right? Oh, it's okay to have a, 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 you know, 12-pack of, 
Diet Cokes in, in three days because, hey, it's diet. Or, hey, I can drink 10 zeros a day because, hey, it's zero everything. Except what else is in it is not very good. It's like the, it's like the Oreo brand trying to get, convince vegans that it's okay. Hey, Oreos are vegan. I literally had a student one time tell me this. I mean, just chomping down on Oreos, I'm like, that's not, that's not good. They're like, oh yeah, but they're vegan. Yeah, because there's nothing in them that's real. Sorry, Oreo lovers. Y'all are another, like, who are Oreo lovers? Y'all are like brand serious too. Yes, I live with one. Oh my gosh. Who does the Oreos? Not this guy. This person who became vegan because they were so concerned about, about what they were putting in their body was eating packages of Oreos because on the package it said vegan friendly. It's illogical except when it's you. Cognitive dissonance. I know this isn't good for me, but I mean look, it's vegan. And we do this with a lot of stuff in life. It's not just what we put in our body. It's not just Diet Coke or Oreos. It's in decisions we make. We cover over our decisions and our actions by saying, oh, but. And the but will get you in trouble. Today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6, and we're going to continue this Look at the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does for us and in us. And in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul, who wrote this letter, and it was literally a letter, is answering one of the issues that the Corinthian church has. The Corinthians had a, um, had a number of issues, and he's addressing those issues in these letters, okay? And so in this letter, this first letter... He is addressing an issue that I'm going to explain in uh, somewhat detail here in a second. But if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 through 20. You can follow on the screen or on a smart device. Now, what you need to know about the Corinthians is that they had, Paul had gone on a mission trip, he had gone to the city of Corinth, and in Corinth, he had built up this house church. And in the house church, these people had grown spiritually. But they got to this place, and they were influenced by, by what later would have been Gnosticism, but they got influenced by, um, by this weird theology that was, that was an amalgamation of Greek theology, Hebrew theology, Christian theology, and all of this kind of piled up. But really the influence was this Greek idea of spirit good, body bad. Spirit, eternal, body is nothing. Spirit doesn't impact body, and body doesn't impact spirit. There was this divergence. There was this separation. That's not a biblical idea. We are not body and then separately spirit. We are body and spirit this way. And so they had taken this theology, and they had applied it to their life particularly in the area of what they were eating and drinking, but also 
in their sexual life. So we're going to pick up this argument that Paul has against that mentality in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Now, in my version, and on the screen, you will see that this is in parentheses. Parentheses are not a thing in the original language. There were no parentheses in Greek. For some of you, you're like, man, that would have been awesome. Guess what? There were no punctuation marks either. Like, you just kept writing words, which is pretty cool, you know, if you're... If you're an English teacher, that would be easy, right? So this is in parentheses in our translation, and rightly so. We think that this parenthetical statement is what the Corinthians were using as their logic or their theology for doing what they were doing. All things are lawful for me. That was kind of a refrain that the Corinthians used over and over again. Ah, look. I've been saved by Christ, I'm forgiven, therefore it doesn't matter what I do. But Paul's answer to that is, but not all things are helpful. That word helpful in the original language in the Greek doesn't just mean help you, it means helpful to you and all those around you. All things are lawful for me, and, and Paul's saying, yeah, but not all things are helpful for you, and certainly not all decisions you make are going to impact the people around you positively, right? Then he says it again, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Paul's mentality is, yes, you are forgiven, but if you're not careful, you get enslaved right back into your old ways. If you're not careful, you will, become under the, you will come under the power of sin. And that's slavery in and of itself. You will fall right back into your old patterns. And in fact, in a previous chapter, he kind of lists some of those old sins. And he said, look, guys, you used to do these things. This used to describe you, but not anymore. One reason is because sin enslaves. So these Corinthians were living a very sinful lifestyle, but all the time saying, yeah, but Jesus has already died for me and forgiven me. Wow, how much does that sound like our culture? Scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. This theology, this mentality is not only ingrained in our culture, it's, it's been ingrained from the first. So Paul's arguing, saying, yes, I hear what you're saying. But, not all things are helpful to you and those around you, and refuse to be dominated by anything. Then he takes another one of their sayings in the next verse. It will be in parentheses two here. Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for the food. That was a common refrain that they probably used. They got from Greek culture, and they were using it as part of, of their mentality. And they built a theology around this saying. So we're going to explain that in a second. Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for the food. In other words, I can eat and do whatever I want. Because it's just the body. It doesn't matter how I treat this body. And God will destroy both one and the other. God will destroy food and God will destroy the stomach. In essence, uh, eventually this body runs out. 
and you will no longer need food and you won't have a stomach because you'll be dust. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now that was a huge jump. Wait, we were just talking about food and now we're talking about sexuality. Like, whoa, where is Paul going here? Paul is tapping into the excuse the Corinthians were using. What we know about the Corinthian Christians is that they started participating in temple prostitution. That means they were using prostitutes and saying, ah, it's okay, I'm a Christian, I'm forgiven. I mean, food's food and it's okay, right? Food for the stomach and stomach for the food. What they're implying is, if I have a desire, whether it's for food or drink, or if I have a desire, whether it's sexual or, or something else, some physical desire, it's okay. That's how I'm made. That's how I'm created. And it's all okay. My desires are okay. So if I desire food and drink, it doesn't matter. That's kind of how I'm wired. I'm okay. If I desire a prostitute, that's okay because that's how I'm wired. That's the, that was the mentality the Corinthians had. And... All of that's okay because Jesus died for me. Yeah, I got the free pass. When I was in high school, I had a teacher who had a hall pass. It took her about three months to realize that I really didn't have a kidney issue. She found out when we had a, uh, I was a despicable kid, I really was. She found out when she, she called my parents and said, um, I'm really concerned for Todd. He's taken, he, he's, he's told me, he shared with me that he has this, this, this problem <laughs> with his kidneys and he is going to the bathroom every day for like 30 minutes. Now, she wasn't that naive. She knew that she would get to the truth if she, if she talked to my parents and, and told them what I had told her, Miss Snyder. She was, uh, she was wily. She was good. Anyway, I was not good. I was taking the hall pass. And, it, and at my school, Jeff Davis, in, in, in high school, that hall pass got you a lot of places. Like, I could take Miss Snyder's hall pass, not Miss Snyder, but someone else. Who was the history teacher? That wrote on the overhead. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. She's probably dead anyway, so we'll never see this. So I'm just saying, I mean, she was old then, and that's been 30 years ago. So, I mean, seriously, though, guys, I mean, she was, she had been around the block, you know, she was, she was in her 60s then. I'm just thinking, I mean, that's 30 plus years. I'm old now. Anyway, I'm old, which means she... uh, I'm really concerned for Todd's bladder and kidney issue. Is he, is he going to be okay? I was taking that pass, and I was going to the teacher's lounge. Because I had figured out that the teacher's lounge had Coca-Cola machine. And the teacher's lounge had a snack machine. And the teacher's lounge had a clean bathroom with stall doors. Yes, the boys' bathroom in my high school, they removed the stall 
doors because it was that bad. So, hey, the pass was everything. The pass got me everywhere. The pass ended up getting me in trouble. Guys, we treat our faith in God's forgiveness like a hall pass, and we abuse it over and over and over and over again. And that's what the Corinthians were doing. They were abusing the grace of God, right? They were taking his grace for granted, and they were doing whatever the heck they wanted because, oh, I'm forgiven, all right, woo! But Paul says, hold up. Understand, the body is not meant for what you're using it for. Quit using that as an excuse. Oh, but I desired it. A meth head desires meth. That doesn't mean it's good. No, instead, your body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Your body was created to glorify God. Your body belongs to Him not to you. You are a steward of this body. You are a steward of this life. Are you going to waste it in pursuing flesh desires instead of pursuing the will of God? Are you going to waste it in what you want and what you long for? Because here's what I can tell you. Every time we pursue our desires, every time we, pursue, uh, uh, we go after our flesh and we pursue that, it ends up empty. Every time. So Paul says, no, look, guys, you got this wrong. Your body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The body isn't bad. It's not just something you're going to throw away. And he goes on and explains. God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So if your body at some point is going to be resurrected, and I don't know what that looks like, I don't know how he's going to do it, but it says from dust we come and to dust we will return, and at some point we're going to come back from dust. But this body, we're going to have some form of body. And just as God raised the Lord, he's going to raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies also are a member of Christ? When you become Christian, when you submit your life to Christ, then you become part of his body. You become connected to him. You and God become connected. Much like a husband and a wife become connected. Not just legally, not just physically, spiritually, emotionally connected. We are connected to God. Shall I then take the members of Christ, shall I take my body and make them members of a prostitute? Should I connect this that is God's and do something bad with it? If this belongs to Christ now, then every time I choose flesh and sin, I'm choosing to take Christ into the middle of that flesh and that sin. I'm exposing my Savior to the very thing he died for and against. Do you not know that he who is joined with the prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. 
And this word for spirit is the same word used for Holy Spirit. When we become connected to Christ, His spirit and our spirit are enmeshed. And so when we choose sin over Jesus, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, look, Jesus, yeah, I'm enmeshed with you, but hey, there's this other thing that I kind of like over here. I'm going to eat some Oreos. Oreos being a metaphor for sin. Uh, It's okay, Jesus, I'm enmeshed with you, and you're going to forgive me, and hey, everything's all good, right? Yeah, but there's this over here. Then he goes on, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. That word for sexual immorality is actually one word, and it means, it is porneo. You can figure out what comes from that word. Porneo, and it means any kind of sexual sin, period. Any kind. I'm not making a list here for you today. Any kind. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And this is a turn on words that means not only his own body, but the body that is connected with Christ, the body of Christ. Now he's choosing this particular issue, porneo, because it was the thing that came up over and over and over again in Corinth. They were literally sleeping with temple prostitutes. That was the thing. You could go to the Greek temple and guess what was there? Prostitutes. And it was supposedly a religious act. Now, I don't know who figured that out, but that was one big church growth scheme. I know how we can get people hooked to come in here and how we can get their money. <laughs> they were going... To worship. (laughs) Air quotes. So what Paul is saying, look guys, you have fooled yourself. You have told yourself that, hey, it doesn't matter what I put into my body or what I expose myself to because this body is going to die and it's going to go away and what really matters is spirit and my spirit has been saved by Jesus so it doesn't matter what I do anymore, amen, I'm going to heaven I mean, seriously, that was the mentality. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me be saved, and now I'm going to go sin with the prostitute. I mean, how many people have we seen? I mean, seriously, that's a thing, right? And so that was a thing back then. And what Paul is saying, guys, you have totally missed the point on this whole thing. When you connect yourself with Christ, you're saying not just my spirit, but my whole self. I'm giving you all of me. And if all of me belongs to you, if we're enmeshed and connected together, every time I choose sin, I'm choosing to dirty you up. We just got back from camp, and they do this mixer, and it's called a dance mixer, but they make you do dance moves, because you just can't let kids go out there and dance, because even... Kids that you wouldn't think do weird things on the dance floor. So what you have to do is you have to kind of do a mixer, right? And you have to tell them what kind of dance. Does anybody know what this is? This is the junior high dance, right? Or the shoulders. 
And what did you used to say about this? Save room for Jesus. Right in between you. Right? You're saving room for Jesus. Now, as silly as that is, that's kind of what Paul is saying. Leave room for Jesus. He's always there. He's always there. And by the way, not is he always there, but he's connected to you. So he's not just some weird creeper standing over there watching everything you do. Like He is enmeshed, involved, connected. Verse 19, or do you not know, and this is the verse you've probably heard, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. Now, that's how this version translates it. Yours might translate that last one as a question, but are you not, are you not your own? No, you're not. You belong to someone else. That's the implication. For you were bought with the price. So glorify God in your body. So Paul is addressing the gross misconduct of the Corinthians. And he says a very important theological thing here. Let's go back one verse, William. Verse 19. Do you not know that your body, your soma, that's what the Greek word... Your soma, your body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody know what a temple, what the word temple means? I mean, obviously, it's, you know, a temple building. But what's theological significant about that? It's a holy place. What else? It's a sanctuary. A holy place, a sanctuary. What else? It's where God dwells. The thing that makes a temple different than just a regular sanctuary and a regular church building, a temple is where God dwells. So Paul is saying, do you not understand that God dwells in you? God dwells in you, and this word dwells means to take up residence. It means to live into and be a vital part. It's like someone who moves into, into a community and becomes involved in every aspect of the community. That's what dwell means. It means to come in and be involved completely. It's like when your kid goes and plays, I don't know what sport, baseball. We're just into baseball, and you get out there, and the coach says, Hey, I need an assistant. Would you help? You thought you were just going to take your kid to go play baseball and you're going to sit on the sidelines and not have anything to do and maybe even get some work done on your tablet. I guess that's what that was. I don't know what that was. You're going to get some work done and your kid's going to go and play and you've got like an hour, three times a week to yourself. And then the coach looks at you and says, hey, can you help out? And then you become the assistant coach and then you become the coach. Anyone been there? You go from just being present to dwelling amongst that team. You become a vital part of that community of team. That's what this word dwell means. That Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells 
in us. Our body is his temple. So everywhere we go, that's why Paul says we are ambassadors to Christ. Because everywhere we go, we take the Holy Spirit with us. Everywhere we go, we are a temple where the presence of God resides. Everywhere we step, the kingdom of God is there because the Holy Spirit is in us because we are his temple. His presence is in us. So guys, how does that change the way you act? If every time you're tempted by some desire... It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's food. It doesn't matter if it's porneo. It doesn't matter whatever. If any time you were tempted, you stopped and said, you know what? The presence of God is with me now. And whatever I'm about to do, I'm about to expose Christ to. Would that change your behavior? Your body is not your own. Why? Because it was bought with a price. So he uses two analogies here. One is a temple and the other one is a slave. You were bought with a price. You don't just get to use your body any way you want to. Your body is something holy. Your skills are something holy. Your physical well-being is something holy. The way you use your talent is something holy. The way you interact with people is something holy. There is no aspect of you bodily, there's no aspect of you physically or spiritually that doesn't belong to Christ because He paid a price for you. So, glorify God in your body. The Corinthians were fully into cognitive dissonance. They knew it wasn't right to go see temple prostitutes. They knew it wasn't right to to abuse their bodies with food and drink because that's what they were doing. I mean, literally, you know this about Greek culture, right? Eat until you throw up and then go eat again because the food is so rich and tastes so good. It It was that kind of thing. Drink until you throw up, and then go and drink some more. The Corinthians were all involved in that. It's Greek culture, man. Yeah, this is our culture. It's all good because we're forgiven, saved by the blood. Amen. But I'm not going to live like it. Cognitive dissonance. They know all about it. Coca-Cola, Oreos with their vegan-friendly on the packaging. They know that if they give you just enough of a lie, you will take it and run with it, even though you know it's not good for you. And that's how Satan works. But do you not know your body is a temple? We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.